Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo, and man, do we have a lot to discuss. It is Friday night. Still trying to digest the firing of head coach Joe Dooley at East Carolina, the Pirates, and athletic director John Gilbert with his first, I would say, really major decision in terms of major sports at ECU, uh, electing to part ways with Joe Dooley rather than extend him. I think we all kind of knew there was going to be a decision one way or the other heading into this process. Joe Dooley was wrapping up year four of his time with the Pirates, going into year five of a five-year contract. You don't really want to go into a lame duck year. We've talked about it, and I don't think that was ever really a viable possibility. Even with the transfer portal and everything changing, and there, there's multiple sides to this, which we'll get into, but I, I think had, a decision had to be made either way. John Gilbert elected to move on and part ways with Joe Dooley and start fresh. And, and we'll have, I'm sure, a podcast, several podcasts, several articles on potential candidates in the coming days, weeks, uh, as, as that list is formulated. As of right now, this podcast will be more looking at the Joe Dooley tenure why it didn't work, why this decision was made. I'll give some thoughts on that. Uh, the, the first part of this, and I, I think it is important, is the financial part because it just made a lot of sense. If you're, it, Look, if you're East Carolina and you're looking for a reason to move on from your head coach or whatnot or, or a reason to retain him, from a financial perspective, here's what ECU was looking at due to Joe Dooley's contract that was signed when he initially got the job. Okay, so Joe Dooley was owed a $1 million salary for the coming year, uh, which is more than ECU's ever paid a a head coach in his program history. And on top of that, he was due a $250,000 bonus in July for remaining as the head coach. So that is $1.25 million, which is, for East Carolina, a lot of money. Now, if you compare that to the rest of the American Athletic Conference in basketball and what they're spending not that much money, but for ECU, it's a lot of money. Or they could, so they could pay Joe Dooley $1.25 million for his final year of his contract, plus a potential extension. Or they could pay his base salary for his final year, which is $400,000, to buy him out of the contract. And that is the decision they, they chose to do. 400000 versus $1.25 million for a financial, or for a athletic department that has struggled financially and is still struggling at times. Um, I, I think from a financial perspective, it certainly makes some sense, which I think went into the decision. Was it the primary 
culprit. I don't know. I don't think so. But it definitely did not hurt uh, John Gilbert's case for wanting to move on uh, from Joe Dooley. The other factor is, you know, I've heard this for probably two years now, two plus years, that just just the administration and uh, Joe Dooley did not see eye to eye on several items. Um, On one hand, you have Dooley, who I think felt like his program was not supported to the level it needed to be supported for the Pirates to compete realistically in the American Athletic Conference. You know, when Dave Hart hired Joe Dooley, the comment was made at that time to Coach Dooley from what I was told that things would be different. We would invest in basketball. We would make it a priority as much as possible. And so you have that side of it. Joe Dooley at the time was coming from Florida Gulf Coast, having spent time at Kansas. He was stepping into a very tough job at ECU where you're in the American Athletic Conference. You're trying to compete against some national powers, teams that have been to Final Fours, won national championships, Cincinnati, Wichita State, Memphis, Houston. These programs spend so much money on basketball compared to East Carolina that it's it's um, it's almost tough to, to expect ECU to compete with these teams on a regular basis. But the, the comment was made, hey, we're going to make this investment <clears throat> in, in basketball at ECU. And the the fact of the matter is the Pirates have invested, just probably not nearly to the extent that Joe Dooley wanted. You know, for example, the budget as a whole has gone up significantly over the last several years compared to what it used to be with Senator Jeff Lebo, and they've spent a, a decent amount on the program. The problem is, you know, they're paying Joe Dooley as much as any coach in program history. The problem is the American as a whole is still spending so much more, it, it probably just pales in comparison. Um, and ECU financially cash-strapped in certain aspects. Realistically, they don't have a stockpile of money they can pull from to give Joe Dooley everything he wants. So, of course, Coach Dooley wants more, as he should. How can you expect to compete for a conference championship in your league if you're not anywhere near the top and if you're always at the bottom in terms of budget and resources? Certainly, that's a fair fair argument. So there was a disconnect there, I think, upon what the expectations were from Dooley's side and what the realistic options were uh, from the administration side. So that led to kind of a disconnect over the last two to three years. You know, chartered flights was a big one in that Joe always expected, I think, upon getting the job, that he would get chartered flights uh, to and from every road game, and it just it, it never quite evolved to that point. Point I think this past year they did only weekday games, only for chartered flights, and on weekends they did commercial. I know they flew to the conference tournament uh, commercial, which is you know not an easy trip from Greenville, North Carolina, to Fort Worth, Texas. Now you can make the argument, of course, does flying commercial versus charter make a difference in wins and losses? You know I don't know, but I'm sure if you're a seven foot big man, you don't enjoy traveling on a uh, commercial flight and sitting in a, uh, a a full aisle with a bunch of random people surrounding you or sitting in, you know, a layover. Anybody that's traveled knows how much travel can wear on you. So it's just, and that's only one example because that's an easy example to point to. You know, there are other things, facility things, locker room upgrades that took a long time to get done, uh, that Joe Dooley wanted done, some things inside the basketball building that still haven't got done that he wanted to get done. So there's a long list of things that as I think every coach realistically probably has. Um, And so the the disconnect was the other thing that just did not seem to play in in Dooley's favor, certainly, and 
and played against Dooley's favor in terms of returning. And the other third aspect of it is the wins simply weren't really there, especially in conference play. Dooley's teams win a combined 16 and 47 over four years in the American Athletic Conference. The best they ever finished was ninth in the league. They finished 11th his first three years in the program. And so, you know, the overall record at ECU, well under 500 in terms of this tenure. If you include his first tenure, 101 and 119 total at ECU. So just under 500. And, you know, as we mentioned those things, the, the wins and losses weren't necessarily there. But the other side of the argument, if you were on the, hey, let's extend Dooley or give him a little bit more time was, well, they did improve in terms of overall wins this year, 15 and 15. And they got to 6-11 and 11 in conference play. The six wins matched the, the most in ECU history in terms of the American Athletic Conference dating back to 2014 when the program first entered the AAC. And then also when you have the 15-15 and 15 overall record, that's the first time ECU has finished 500 overall as a program since Jeff Lebo in 2013-14. ECU as a program has not had a winning season in nine years, dating back to the CIT run. So, and we all know the history history of this program, two winning seasons now in the past 24 basketball years. I mean, that is a that is a systemic problem. It's not a Joe Dooley problem. Um, I do think the Pirates are now investing more than they ever have in basketball. The problem is the league that they are in is also investing much more than ECU has ever seen in terms of <laughs> in terms of their competition. For example, when they were in Comp USA, when they were in the CAA, they weren't competing against these teams, or at least these teams, these versions of these teams. You know, Houston and Comp USA is a much different version of the Houston now. Memphis is still Memphis, but many of these teams have gone way up in spending and way up in what they're. You know, you take for example UCF when they were in Comp USA. ECU used to beat them somewhat on a regular basis, but now since going through the American, they've invested so much more in basketball. And if you compare it to ECU, it's it's a lot more. And UCF, unsurprisingly, has dominated the series. So th- there, there's a lot of issues here, a lot of underlying things um, that you can't overlook. The bottom line is, I think there was a relationship fracture between Dooley and the administration, the financial aspect of it, and there wasn't quite enough on-court wins and losses production on Dooley's side to where, you know, Gilbert just absolutely could not get rid of Dooley or fire him. Because, you know, for example, if Dooley would have gone 18-13 and this year, clear winning season, closer to 500 in conference play, I think there just would have been a much larger blowback than what we saw. Maybe I think there's still a decent amount of people who are kind of stunned at this. Uh, that maybe don't follow ECU basketball that closely. You know, the other side of this is there were rumors last year, last summer, that Coach Dooley was very close to taking the Kansas assistant job and basically he was trying to get out. And part of that, again, but I think was due to a disconnect with the administration. But if your head coach is potentially looking at taking other jobs, then if you're the administration, that gives you even more leeway to potentially say, hey, if this coach doesn't want to be here long term, maybe we should look somebody Look for somebody who wants to be here long term. So I always got the sense from that. Once those rumors started, that the closer we got to the end of this contract, the more likely it was that 
you know, this administration would be more likely to move on from this coaching staff if they were given the opportunity to. Obviously, if Joe Dooley would have went out there and led ECU to a NIT or to a NCAA season, then you make it work because you have a winning basketball program. But you know, 15 and 15, I think it was a step in the right direction. I think the program did make some growth, some growth this year in several areas. But you also peel back the layers of the net and the quality wins. Out of the 15 wins for ECU this year, I would say the Pirates really had two quality wins. One over Memphis, one over Tulane. And outside of that, they beat a lot of quad four teams, a lot of really bad basketball teams in uh, 21-22. And I think the net ranking for this year is actually lower than last year, last I checked. So, you know, straight up wins and losses can be deceiving. I do think it is a big deal that ECU didn't have a losing season because what you get measured on more times than not is straight up wins and losses. But I think if you do peel the onion back a little, little deeper, you can find that uh, you can find that argument to go both ways for and against just how you know just how strong that 15 and 15 really is and what it really means um, as I look at the net rankings now East Carolina would 0 and four against quad one teams one and seven versus quad two two and four versus quad three and 12 and 0 versus quad four uh, finished with a net ranking of 184 so yes. 12 of your 15 wins came against some of the worst teams in the country. Again, only one quad two win, two quad three, zero quad one win. So I do think from a competitive standpoint, the team was better, was close to getting a lot of those wins. And that, I think, is the frustration for the the fans who wanted to see Joe Dooley return <clears throat> is, you know, you're one or two players away realistically if you keep this core together. If you keep Tristan Newton, keep Brandon Suggs, um, bring back Tremont Robinson White, get Winston Tabs healthy. If you can keep that core together and add some pieces, and there was a rumor that Joe Dooley essentially had Tristan Newton's brother, who averaged 14 points per game at Evansville, lined up to come here to join Tristan. You know, if you add that core together, another year of familiarity, maybe you add a big in the portal, all of a sudden you can make a pretty big leap next year. Now, all that is maybe what you have on paper or what you're counting on. And we all know that counting on and actually coming to fruition is a different, you know, there's a difference there. Uh, but I think there's a fair argument for that. You know, why not run it back? Why not give it another year? But I think at the end of the day, ECU and the administration saw a light to, to say, hey, let's go get our own guy. Uh, Joe Dooley was not hired by John Gilbert. It's a chance for John Gilbert to bring in his own guy. And I think there's enough backing from donors and other people uh, that, that give money to the program to go in a different direction. And I don't think this was an easy decision at all, um, even though there was some disconnect between the administration and Dooley. I do think John Gilbert values Joe Dooley's knowledge of the game, the work he put in. I don't think this just was a cut and dry, hey, we're 100% not bringing him back. I think it took a lot of, uh, a lot of thinking and a lot of talking with other people in the industry and just kind of at the end of the day though you got to make a decision if you're the administrator and I do credit John Gilbert for making the tough call and not just letting it ride I think the worst thing he could have done is just say hey let's let him go on his one-year deal or let's give him a one-year extension not really fully commit to him one way or the other I think if you do that then you're just kind of in coaching purgatory and you don't really have a set vision for your program so I think 
Well, you can make the argument for why Joe Joe Dooley d- deserved a two or three year extension. You can also make the the argument for why Joe Dooley uh, should not be the head coach at ECU, and that's what ECU ultimately decided to do. So, I get both sides of it. <clears throat> I do think this is a situation where you can't really fully evaluate or grade the you know turn in the final grade on the decision until we see who the head coach is. I don't get the vibe that there's a head coach already lined up. I think this is going to be a full process of going through and and really kind of talking with several people in the business and trying to interview as many quality candidates as possible and then make a decision. So I don't think this is going to be something in two two or three days we have a a new head coach at East Carolina. And so we'll see what, what transpires from this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know, one thing that I do think hurt Coach Dooley the most, looking back at early in his tenure, I I feel like the last few years he really kind of figured out how to use the portal and kind of transition to maybe this new age of recruiting, bringing in Vance Jackson, Winston Tabs, Alonzo Frank, I thought that was as good of a transfer haul as ECU has ever had. And I would have liked to have seen him maybe take a few less freshmen this past year. But I thought overall it was a really good class. But if you look at the recruiting classes early in his tenure, and he basically had two chances to reset the roster. He came in his first year in 2018. Jaden Gardner was a Jeff Lebo commitment. He stayed signed with Joe Dooley. We all know the Jaden Gardner story. But Coach really had a couple of chances to surround Jaden Gardner with enough pieces to to really, you know, take this program to the next level. You had an all-conference guy. How can you take it to the next level where you got to add the shooters around him, the right players around him? Uh, I don't think we really knew what they had in Jaden Gardner until after his first year. And then you go into that second year, basically the entire roster got kicked to the curb except Jaden. You know, Seth Liday ended up coming back, but, uh, you know, he ended up only playing a couple games that year before uh, being dismissed from team rule or via team rules. So you look at that 2019 recruiting class, and this was the big one. This was supposed to be the one that turned around ECU basketball under Coach Dooley. 
And you can look at some of the targets that they sought after, and there were a ton of potential impact guys that were so close to coming here that just did not break ECU's way. And unfortunately, towards the end of that class, they had to settle for some guys who just, quite frankly, weren't as good as their top targets. And most of them, quite honestly, did not pan out. You have Tristan Newton, who was one of those late ads, who ended up being a monster addition. We'll, we'll talk about him maybe a little bit. Uh, he was one of the few guys who, who really panned out from that class. Tremont Robinson-White, I think he has been a solid addition. Maybe not quite the impact all-conference guy that some thought he would be, but certainly I think is, is worth mentioning as a positive addition in this 11-man recruiting class. And then you have Brandon Suggs, who also has turned into a very viable starting candidate on a good team, you know, kind of that glue guy. So three out of 11 guys to me panned out in this class. The rest of them just did not work out, not nearly to the extent that we thought they would. Charles Coleman, at the time, like a huge addition. He ended up being a bust. He's at St. Joe's now and just has not turned into the player many thought he would. Uh, Tyree Jackson former Virginia Tech guard, you know, decent player, but not really, you know, not the, I don't think he made the impact people thought that he would as well. Logan Curtis was one of the few high school recruits in this class, ended up transferring after a year. J.J. Miles played three years at ECU, but, you know, quite honestly was just never, to me, an above-average player, too inconsistent offensively, and as a guy who was supposed to be one of your better shooters, just did not provide enough consistent shooting. Batumba Baruti flashed in moments, especially last year, but ended up being overall kind of a fringe starter at best for half a season, maybe a full season, and uh, he ended up transferring out, so I would consider him more than not a miss. Edra Luster just didn't work out. He was a miss. Miles James was a miss. And Luigi DeBoe, you know, loved the guy for his work ethic, uh, but he, to me, I mean, he's not an American Athletic Conference level big. And so you look at this class, 11 signees, Eight of the 11 were misses, realistically, and you can't, if you're going to blow up a roster and rebuild a program, you can't have those misses. You go to the next recruiting cycle, again, most of those guys were brought back for the following year, which ended up being the COVID year. Uh, Noah Farrakhan was signed as a highly rated recruit as part of the 2020 class. Certainly has talent. He's averaging a lot of points for Eastern Michigan right now, but just did not fit the culture, was not mature enough. You know, you have to label him a bust. He transferred out after a year. Derek Kwanzaa never even played for ECU, so he was a bust. So 0 for 2 in 2020. And really, those two years on the recruiting trail ended up really hurting your program. You go back to 2021, which was this past season, uh, recruiting class, and we talked about Frank, Jackson, and Tabs. I think three quality transfer portal additions. I like some of this freshman class. They signed six freshmen. Alexis Reyes, Tay Mosher, Marlon Leston, R.J. Felton, Javon Small, and Brandon Johnson. I think realistically right now we know R.J. Felton and Brandon Johnson can potentially help you in this league. Javon Small I think can as well. Leston, Mosher, Reyes, the jury's still out on those guys. And again, you probably would have liked to have seen a few more transfers taken. We kind of all knew this was a do-or-die year for Dooley, and the fact that he took six freshmen was kind of a surprise. And some of them worked out, some of them we'll see. But I think overall, the end of the day, this staff, it, we're only going through the commitments. This staff had so many near you know, near misses on the recruiting trail 
back when Steve Rockefeller was on staff, back when Rafael Chilius was on staff. So many guys that could have changed the tra- tra- trajectory of the program that just did not quite commit. They got them on visits, just could not get them committed. You know, to me, <clears throat> where the Joe Dooley era did not work out was quite simply the players. You can be the best coach in America if you can't get the players that are good enough in your league, then it's hard to win basketball games consistently. And I think that's what we ultimately saw with Joe Dooley at ECU. We can talk about the budget. We can talk about all that stuff, how much that goes into recruiting, how much it affects recruiting, and certainly it did. We saw some conference mates take some of those key recruits away from Dooley and his staff. But at the end of the day, ECU, under Coach Dooley, did not recruit well enough to win in this league consistently, and that's what ultimately cost Coach Dooley his job. They just did not have the wins in this league, and you know, will the next coach be able to recruit any better? I don't know. I honestly don't know. We've seen ECU basketball struggle for so many years now, and the next coach that walks through the door, maybe he's more charismatic. Maybe he has more connections. It's hard to believe over Joe Dooley, but maybe he just connects better with the recruits these days and can land that impact guy or two to really take ECU to the next level. But it, to me, it all comes down to players. You have to find a way to get enough players to win basketball games in the American. And I do think, you know, one thing that's important to me, you know, ECU, they're, they're spending more money on basketball than they ever have. I think they have to find a way to continue to increase that number. You know, just because you're you're getting rid of Dooley, maybe you can hire a younger coach for cheaper or whatever. To me, you have to continue to invest in this in this program because I see a window in the coming years, especially after this this next season. You know, next year you'll have the American as it is, same teams in there. But once Cincinnati, UCF, and also Houston move on, suddenly there's going to be a big void in the top of this league. A lot of those programs, ECU has simply been unable to beat, especially in basketball. Yeah, they've upset Houston and Cincinnati every now and then, but all three of those teams have dominated the basketball series. Well, suddenly those teams are gone. Income, UTSA, Charlotte, North Texas, you know, good programs, but nowhere near the caliber of, of those those three teams. So you've got a window here if you continue to invest in, in ECU basketball and you continue to try and uh, remain at that level of competitive spending. Maybe all of a sudden you're not at the, the, the lowest part of the league. Maybe you're more in the middle of the pack and then can fight your way to the top of the pack a little bit easier. I think the odds are stacked against ECU in a big way right now. Um, you know, there's a narrative out there. Who can ECU hire that's better than Joe Dooley? You know, to me, that is a pretty fair narrative. I think Joe Dooley is a hell of a coach. He's proven that at Florida Gulf Coast when he had the best talent in his league, when he had some of the best resources in his league, his teams were dominant. He went 114 and 58. He made the postseason five times in five years. He made two NCAAs. He won his conference three times. He finished second the other two times. You know, the man did not forget how to coach. So clearly, A, ECU's hard job. B, he just had some near misses on the recruiting trail due to ECU probably being a hard job. You know, there were also, I think, a couple instances where in those recruiting classes he could have taken a local kid. You know, let's say Shaquem Phillips from South Central. You know, there were questions whether or not he could play in the American. I sure as hell would take him over Miles James or Edrey Luster right now. 
Um, you know, Damian Dunn at Kinston. I don't think ECU recruited him hard enough when he was at Kinston. He ended up going to Georgia for his senior year. Maybe he doesn't come to ECU either way, but I do think, you know, there were some local guys that this staff was a little bit shy about taking because they weren't sure if they were good enough. To me, the next coach that comes in, you know, if you got a borderline kid in your backyard, take him. If it doesn't work out, you know, he can move on in a year or two, but you know, take that kid in your backyard. If you got a state championship team in your own county, you should probably be signing a player from that team. So, listen, I really like Coach Dooley. I think he's a hell of a coach, and I respect him a lot. But I do think there were some recruiting misses that probably he wishes he could have back. But you're going to have that in any sport. At the end of the day, I just think recruiting did not go well enough. And that's ultimately why we're in the situation we're in now. And... You know, that they just got to get somebody in here who can find a way to recruit just a little bit better. And I do think maybe Dooley would have been that guy next year. But we'll never know. So it's on to the next guy. Unfortunately, the bad part of, you know, the bad part of making a coaching change this day and age is you're very likely looking at a complete rebuild. Tristan Newton, you know, we talked about him last week. Realistically, I would not expect him to be back. Maybe he's in wait-and-see mode. Maybe he'll see who the next coach is before making the decision one way or the other. But, you know, there's a good chance you lose him in the portal. What does Brandon Suggs do? Some of these young guys, Brandon Johnson, Javon Small, R.J. Felton. What happens to Alonzo Frank? What happens to Winston Tapps? Um, All these guys have eligibility left, and they're just kind of sitting in limbo now. You know, common sense would say probably a lot of them leave, if not all of them. And you're looking at a complete and total rebuild. And Joe Dooley had a few rebuilds himself uh, that, you know, maybe didn't quite work out. I do think this one uh, had more potential than the first one. We'll never really get to see it realized in terms of the complete roster overhaul. Uh, but I do think that first roster overhaul that just did not go his way is ultimately what probably cost him his job because he just ran out of time with this administration and here we are covering another ECU basketball coaching search and it just seems like it's a never-ending cycle and I do think coach Dooley is probably the most qualified coach that ECU has hired based on his resume in team history it didn't work out for him I do think the Pirates are going to have to get either a little bit lucky with a connection with John Gilbert's party or just a guy who's looking to take a take a leap, take a risk, prove himself, or just hit a home run from somebody who maybe doesn't have that impressive of a, of a resume. You might have to get creative in this hire because coaches in the industry are going to see that Joe Dooley crushed it at Florida Gulf Coast, went to ECU, and flopped. Maybe there's another mid-major coach out there who says, hey, I want to go to a, t- a conference like the American, prove my worth, and then maybe take a bigger job. They're probably going to be a little hesitant about taking the East Carolina job just because of what happened to Coach Dooley. So, time will tell what type of candidate list ECU can put together, what type of interviews they can get. I think we'll know more in the coming days, the coming weeks. Uh, these searches usually take around two weeks, maybe a little longer, depending on how things break out over uh, March Madness and whatnot. But we'll continue to bring you updates on uh, just the names we're hearing. Anything else that's going on with the search, you know, I do 
believe ECU will continue to invest in the program like they have been, maybe even step it up a notch now that, you know, John Gilbert's going to have his guy. And hopefully with football winning, ticket sales will increase and they can invest more in other sports uh, like men's basketball. And eventually men's basketball can become a revenue sport if it wins enough. So there's certainly reason to invest. And, and this is an important hire. This is the first, you know, John Gilbert is certainly credited with hiring Mike Houston, but he had just gotten on the job. This is John Gilbert's first, like, true start-to-finish coaching search. He was kind of helped out by Dave Hart with the Mike Houston hire. This is a huge hire for John Gilbert, and I think he can really kind of cement and put his stamp on the Pirate Athletic Program if he can go out and hire an upstart coach. You know, if he hires a men's basketball coach that wins at East Carolina, he'd be doing something that nobody has ever done in the history of Pirate Athletics. So, this is the chance for him to really uh, to really prove himself, and he he just got an extension. He's got the power to do it. You know, we'll see what direction he goes in. And from John Gilbert's perspective, if he fails with this hire, he fails just like every other AD previously. There's never been an AD that's been able to hire a Division One basketball coach at ECU and consistently win at this level. So. Uh, I do think it is important the Pirates are investing more than they ever have in basketball. People can say, oh, it's ECU basketball. Why should we expect it to be any different? Well, I, I do think it is time. At some point, you have to raise the standard, raise the expectation. The history may not be there, but if people keep settling for mediocrity or just aren't able to move forward with the fact that ECU can indeed win in basketball, the practice facility is a good facility. Menji's is a home court advantage if it's full. Yes, there are faults. Yes, there are certain things ECU needs to do better. But at some point, we have to get over this narrative that ECU can't win in basketball here because they can. Is it a hard job? Yes, but it can be done. And we'll see if John Gilbert can find that man. So we'll have a ton of reaction, as always, on the site. I'll continue to to kind of look back at the Joe Joe Dooley era, um, pass along what I'm hearing, what went wrong, what led to this outcome. I also have a hot board of potential candidates uh, listed on the site here in the coming 24 hours. So stay tuned for that. Just wanted to get on, spit some knowledge, basically just get up here and rant. You know, I'm still trying to figure out where exactly I sit on this, uh, this interesting evening as we find out that Joe Dooley with one year left in his contract has been let go as basketball coach of East Carolina. Certainly want to add before we get out of here, I always appreciate Coach Dooley. Um, you know, personally, you know, I had a tremendous relationship with Coach. So, you know, in this business, you want to stay fair. You want to be as unbiased as possible. You know, I'll say, <clears throat> quite honestly, I was pull- pulling for Coach Dooley to win here and win big. Uh, he was always great to me personally, always great to uh, the fans, he just is an extremely down-to-earth guy, and he wanted to win here badly. So he came here with the vision to turn ECU into a legitimate basketball program. It just did not happen for a variety of reasons, and here we are. So certainly wish Coach Julie the best going forward. I don't think he will be here for a third time as head coach. I give him a lot of credit for coming back as second-time head coach. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But he'll have options. He's got plenty of connections in the business, so he'll land on his feet. We'll continue to break this thing down and hoist the colors. And uh, we'll be back with you next time. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.